The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Tonight we have a fellow podcaster as our guest, and we're going to talk about everyone's favorite subject, about that company that we love to hate, about Warlord Games and their games or their products. But anyway, so tonight we're joined by Tom Castaños from the Anything But A One Adventures in Historical Miniature Wargaming Podcast. Tom, did I get that right? You're perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I only had to rehearse that like 30 that's times. All right, you did it. You nailed it, buddy. But that's all right. I hope your landings, with, I mean, I know you were in the back <laughs> seat, but I hope the aircraft carrier thing went better. Not so few, yeah, exactly. not so many trials, yeah. but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. Shut up, Casey. Stop laughing over there. <laughs> and unfortunately, we are joined by Casey as well. Casey, how you doing, brother? <laughs> What's up, guys? You know, I thought for sure you said company love to hate, like I literally audibly said Games Workshop. <laughs> no, no, we just hate them. There's, yeah. there's a difference. Okay, it's just a reflex. That's right, yeah. That's just pure unadulterated hate. There's, exactly. There is no love to hate there. Well, you know, the funny thing is Tom and I have been you know, talking for, for gosh, months now. Um, and obviously I was on their podcast, so I figured it was time to invite Tom over here so we could drop some F-bombs uh, and not have to have his clean, <laughs> non-E-rated podcast right. like they do over there. Right. Uh, where they're so family friendly. We are. Uh, because because there's always things we want to bitch about, we want to complain oh, yes, about, uh, <laughs> which which we and I, and I use the collective we as in people who uh, who buy Warlord games never seem to be short of what the fuck moments mm. and and I say that because because you and I've talked about it. Um, there's there's things that some of them are marketing things where we're like, how did they totally miss that one? Or there's entire lines and and we'll talk about Epic Scale tonight that that that. There's oh so many questions yeah. on all sides, yeah. um, but you know it's one of those things. I, you and I have, have chatted about it a little bit. What what is the the big frustration for you uh, most of the time with with Warlord? I mean, if we don't have to break it down into just like initially one game line or one project, yeah. um, what's the thing that that more often than not you sit there and you look at Warlord and go. What the fuck, dudes? <laughs> well, as someone that did very briefly teach in the classroom, proofreading is going to be a big one. You know, I can't remember the last time. I oh, picked they up, don't have an issue with oh, that. Not, <laughs> oh, not. No, I can't remember the last time I picked up one of their books that didn't have typos, sentences missing, run-ons, whatever, which, I mean, you could argue that's a picky point, but, you know, I don't know. That's the English language, no matter which side of the pond you're on. And if you're trying to explain <laughs> something to people, <laughs> nouns and verbs are our friends, and they don't always have well, them. And I'm fine with some extra U's. You can put some U's after the letter O, and, I, and I'm yeah. not too worried. <laughs> but, but the problem but, is, is it's not like, it's not an isolated incident. No. And I'm you know, as much a fan as Warlord or anybody else. I put tons of their kids through college with some of the stuff I bought. But Cruel Seas, the SPQR, like was just Oof. like heinous. And I'm not even like a super negative person, but that was just unreadable. <laughs> well, so the funny thing for me is it's typos are one thing. Uh, lack of proofreading is one thing. Changing unit stats because they leave bad data in the template or just randomly put new data in the template is the funniest thing for me. I mean, we, we had that in Blood Red Skies where all of a sudden everyone's like, hey man, does the Kate seriously have a firepower, Ford firepower of one now? Uh, did his points value change as well? well you know, <laughs> so the, there's times you don't know if it's a new rule or if it's an error. Was it Cruel Seas that prefaced a weapon and then didn't put it in the weapons charts? I kind of think that was an original Cruel Seas thing. It said, oh, you've got this I think so, yeah, yeah. quad mount, whatever, and then you looked all through the tables. It's like, well, do I just multiply <laughs> a single no mount mount. times four? How do I do this? You know, and it's just missing. That's you awesome. know, so that's for a big corporation. That's you know back back in my day. You know, when I got a little you know mimeographed rule stapled together in a Ziploc bag, you know, you get what you get. But it comes all glossy, and I pay a lot of money for it. I kind of like proofreading. 
Yeah, but don't laugh. I, I was cracking open my old copies of things like Car Wars and Ogre and GEV. And yes, I get the fact that those rule books were smaller than Airstrike for Blood Red Skies, but they it just did not have the number of errors errors per capita. <laughs> Steve Jackson produced some really like nice stuff today. back in the day. Steve Jackson did some yeah. nice things. Even with the politically incorrect artwork of the Ayatollah being drug off by two American soldiers. It was the 80s, you know. You could do those kind of things. It was the 80s. Yeah. Everybody hated the audience. That's right. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so it, it's it's always interesting to me that if there's one thing that I can, I can always trust Warlord to do, it's to not proofread or to inject confusion where confusion shouldn't reign. Yeah. But, but that's all right. Yeah. So that, that is one of the things that, that happens in a lot of places. I know a lot of game companies recently have been um, picked on a lot for, well, when do you send out the errata and do I have to pay again? And how do, you, how do I ship an errata for something that was done via Kickstarter? Mm-hmm. And all of those nightmares to be even something like where Warlord gives away a new SPQR rule book. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's when you know you've hit hit a new low. But um, those are things that are going to happen. I think the the thing that I'd love to talk about tonight is those things that Warlord has done that make sense in some bizarre world, uh, but when the rest of us see it hit the street, we go, that's interesting, or more importantly the reactions from diehard grogs or diehard fanboys sometimes is 180 out. And, and we just, there's things Warlord does that makes me sit there and say, am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> because I'm pretty sure this was going to be a flop and now everybody's thinking, saying it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing that I, you know, I'm going to jump in on the, you know, the epic scale, you know, because I'm the ground pounder of, of all of you here, right? I'm the one that does all the, the Napoleonics, your favorite, Douglas, you know. Hey, Casey likes well, Napoleonics. I, he's yeah, he's all like about him. ruffles and flourishes Very and nice. whatever. Pretty colors. Nice. No, I love them. I've painted hundreds of French and British, Peninsular British, but I've never got them on the table. Yep. Well, we've so. we got to fix that, Casey. You're, you're not that far away. We can do this. But, <laughs> you're right. But, you know, I, I've – so I'm going to say this. From, from Warlord's standpoint, I think a business model here made perfect sense. If you were trying to get – you know, people away from, you know, the, 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 the game that starts with war and ends with hammer, you know, then you produce something like epic scale warlord, whether it's civil war, Napoleonics. Okay. Now. You're going to have to dig yourself out of that hole. Cause I'm going to categorically disagree with you, but right, 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 right. <laughs> tell me why, Wait. tell me why epic scale is the right scale. Oh, it's not. No, don't, don't, I'm not going there. I'm just saying, I get the oh, idea okay. of, of packaging it in a very kind of Warhammer way where you can buy your little army in the box and you get your rules right. and, and right. It, you know, it's a nice step over for people that are used to that mentality. But then the thing that just drives me nuts is uh, I play black powder. Greatest game ever written. No worst game ever written. No, you know, it, it serves a purpose, but you know, you get on the forums, you get on the Facebook pages and like the hardcore Napoleonics guys like, oh, I would never touch that nonsense. You can't write a set of rules that covers that great amount of time. There's too much chance, blah, 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 on and on and on and on and on. But then you repackage the same fucking rules in a box with new little tiny miniatures. <laughs> but it's whole, it's totally different. It's got plastic miniatures with it Absolutely. now. Absolutely. <laughs> and they lose their shit to get it. It's like, do you realize it's the same game you hated a year ago with new weird-ass scale miniatures? And, it's like- and thank you for bringing up the weird-ass scale because it's not like miniatures for all these time periods in scales going from 54 millimeter to wood blocks at two millimeter (laughs) haven't all existed for the last 30 years so but if we're talking about scale though but look at blood red skies it's one in 200 what game really was the main one or 200 scale before that so 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 stab me in the heart is the dude trying to sell 3d printed airplanes (laughs) (laughs) nobody fucking plays one 200 scale now it's caught on right it's pretty popular people like it it's a step above you know um six millimeter and everything like that so it's popular now but before that like I don't really know. I mean, some people used it, but I think Blood Red Skies really brought it to the forefront. But I didn't even know that 1-200 scale models were out there. I'm sorry. I was a 1-285th 
maybe yeah. one three hundredth or one one forty fourth. And so I'm like, what's this one two hundredth scale? What moron chooses that scale? So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but it was a pretty self, you know. And I know you're going to argue this because of the airplanes that you print and stuff. But you know, for for someone outside looking in that was not an airplane guy but wanted an airplane game, you know, early on they gave me pretty much what I needed, so I didn't wasn't missing anything right, right. but you know no and and they filled out enough armies and things or enough factions as you guys hate them being oh called God, yeah. <laughs> enough militaries that they they gave you options but it just it was funny that one two hundredth was the scale chosen for whatever reason because there was so much out there in 185th and literally that's what half my previous collection was you know, if, if this were on, if this were on camera behind me is a double wide closet Filled with 15 millimeter Napoleonics. And then on my workbench right next to me, it's filled with 28 millimeter Napoleonics of every conceivable nation. And I'm going to buy 13.5 millimeter and throw all of this away. I mean, again, if you're making it for something that you're intending to draw people away from one game to another, you had best fully support it. And we know what's coming. They won't. Well, yeah. <laughs> So hold on. So let's back up because we're getting way ahead of ourselves by talking about the Napoleonics piece. Let's back up to epic ACW, to American Civil War. Now, now this to me makes the whole discussion even funnier when you when you start connecting the dots, because had they just leapt in with epic Napoleonic in an oddball scale in plastic, things might be easier for me. To, to grasp on both Warlord's part and the fanboy Grognard's part. But the weirdest thing for me has been to watch Epic American Civil War, where the initial starter armies are the same, <laughs> and the only distinction is regimental flags and the color of the uniforms <laughs> you paint. Um, am I starting to go down Jason's argument from you know last episode about Fuck the British and their perception of American history. <laughs> but but is it? I mean, I mean, really? I'm just like, what the fuck, guys? But is it? Is that why they did it, or is it just that pure business decision to only sculpt one set of miniatures? I mean, I mean, wasn't it a test too, though? Like, hey, we're not going to be off that much money. Let's see if it sells. We just can just make one sprue, two sprues, three sprues. So, so that's kind of the hilarious thing because let's let's talk about it as a business decision because I think there's there's a component of that that is valid that if you want to test the waters for an oddball scale and see if people are willing to buy a whole new scale of miniatures in plastic, do it in something that takes the least amount of different differentiated runs as I'll call them. Yeah. Uh, so you, I, I I laugh that we used to play with a lot of different scale World War II figures. At 13 and a half millimeter, I'm pretty sure you can make Axis and Allied figures and the Italians could play with either one. Uh, <laughs> but but there there would be, and you might have some guys with berets that could be the British. But they're, they're really, you know, as you get to these scales, it gets to be funny because they're starting to kind of push together in a lot of ways to where you don't need a wide variety. People will argue about the wide variety. But, but for that reason, ACW is smart. But here's the funny thing that, that I laugh about. So why would you take and pick a new scale with a rule set you know is really not liked in the Civil War Grognard group? I mean, I, I really don't know any of my friends that are Civil War aficionados that swear by that rule system. Yeah, that's true. So, so why would you jump into that and also do it in plastic, the most expensive medium? I have an answer for you. Okay. It's because of John Stollard, and as I call them, John Stollard's Folly, or Follies. <laughs> Follies make it sound like it's a bunch of people in their underwear running around. It's say, really not there's that. There's some music there. If it was there, that but... kind of a party, I'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh <my> God. <laughs> but what, what John Stollard wants, John Stollard gets. And that's fine, because it's his company. As, as we've joked about, you know, uh, Gathering of Eagles feels like Doug Glover's private gaming party. Uh <laughs> Warlord Games is John Stollard's private gaming company in that sense. So if he wants to do these things, he will. But it's frustrating to me to see the money outlaid on that on a risk that nobody was really sure was going to pay off and not put towards other game systems that, in my opinion, would have done better with 
fewer options, but done in plastic. Things like Blood Red Skies, Victory at Sea, things where you could have done some generic runs in plastic, um, and then you wouldn't have had the banana tsunami bases, as I call them, the bent <laughs> tsunami bases for Victory at Sea, and some of the other problems they had. Um, but John Stoller doesn't play Victory at Sea. John Stoller doesn't play Blood Red Skies. Um, so... I, you, it is what no, it is. No, you could absolutely be right. I mean, because it, it does, from just a business standpoint, seem like a really strange place to start. But it's done well. And here's another thing, and, and, and probably going... It has. And that's the funny thing. Yeah, you know... How the heck is it done well? So at Millennium you know? <laughs> Con, they, they, they talked about that they were playing, I think at the moment, like the largest epic scale, you know... Um, uh, Civil War game to date. And, you know, the one thing I'll say about Black Powder as a game, pretty fast moving. You know, you, you, right. you watch it. Which is a good it's thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. yeah, it leaves time for the, the brew at the pub afterwards, right? That's cool. But when you put 7,000 miniatures on the table, it's no longer a fast moving game. <laughs> and, yeah, it's like our Malta Blood Red Skies <laughs> game that took seven hours. Now we had like 60 some odd aircraft in it, so maybe that's that why. It, but, four different players, but yeah. But, exactly. but Casey, I don't know if you walked by that game, you know, it was right behind the Warlord booth. And it, every time I went by, it was just a huddle of people reading rules. And it, it, I'm going to say it looked a little bit like a root canal of a game. <laughs> and, and I could be wrong. Maybe they were. Maybe they love root canals. Maybe it's that kind of party. I thought that was Check Your Six. Or is it the same people that play Check Your Six that play ACW? Check Epic, Your Southern States. I hear, yeah, check your Southern I hear States, Rob. Exactly. I hear Rob spinning in his Rub chair screaming right in now. the background yeah exactly you know, yeah I, it was just i don't know like i said th it's such a strange oh okay and another thing about it and, and another thing epic scale now from someone who plays a whole bunch of ground pounder little games in my mind you say something's epic scale okay i get it we're gonna do a huge game right yes. i'm gonna get to do yes. gettysburg i'm gonna get to do chancellorsville Meantime, it takes, what, six of those little strips of soldiers to make, like, one regiment. And when all is said and done, I didn't play any bigger black powder game than I did with my 28s. I just played with lots so, of more little people. Yes, yes. But here's the quote. The, the quote from Scott Atchison, my buddy that lives here in Alabama with me, is like, Epic Scale ACW is for people who can't commit to painting 28 mil. Because literally, it's the same scale game in that sense with smaller figures. It is. That's a fair comment. Yeah, so, and that's the, the funny thing for me, because when they, they kept calling Epic Scale, me being an old GW baby, sorry, Epic Scale to me is six mil. And so I'm like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. Yep. Um, but of course, it's not. It's 13 and a half, 12 and a half. I don't know what we ended Thir up at 13. It actually 5. being. Um, <laughs> 13.5. Well, there you go. Uh, so nothing that's actually common with anything else. But as you all have said, the reality is you put it all on the table and nobody's really going to care if you're going to mix them. But as something for them to do on their own, it just was so funny. And I'll be honest, I am, I am super happy for Warlord that it has not been a commercial flop. Because things like that can be the death knell of a company mm -hmm. or can put a company back in, mm -hmm. in the red when you don't want them to be. And, and that's not what we want as gamers. But it's been funny to see how many people have gone out and bought the set. But still, in my gaming group, I don't think I think I've seen a single person say, let's play Black Powder Rules and Epic Scale figures. I've seen multiple times they've taken the Epic ACW figures and played other rule sets yeah. to include like last week. And they had a huge battle um, with different rule sets and not being an ACW guy. You probably know all the rules there, but I'm like, yeah, that sounds like an interesting set of rules. Never heard of it before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> does it involve airplanes? No. Okay. Um, Get a balloon. But uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, might have an F-14 in Chancellorsville. Oh, wait, no, that's not, a, that's not a real. Are we, are we doing the final <laughs> countdown? Is that what we're doing with this? Yeah, exactly. Right, nice. <laughs> but, uh, but it's just interesting to me because I still don't see people playing those rules. And I guess Warlord doesn't care because the profit margin isn't on the rules. It's on people buying a big, huge box of, uh, of plastic miniatures. Um, so good on Warlord for doing that. But it just the reaction of the community is just hilarious to me. And, and maybe it's the shiny new coin. It, it's, that's it. It's like you say, it's, it's, it's Warhammer-like in the sense of it's a box. You get everything in one box. You can go. You can play. You can use it for something else. 
and and it's it's not pick and choose here, buy an army from here, buy pick up rules here, figure out where you can get your tokens from. Like a lot of miniatures games are, especially if they're older rules that we've <laughs> we've been running for twenty years. You know, it, you kind of have to piecemeal what you get. But I think it's like I've always said about cigar box mats. I think Warlord actually sprinkles crack in the wrapping. Like, you know, anytime I'm near a vendor that sells those cigar box mats, I have to have two of them. And I get home and I realize, crap, I've already (laughs) got that one. Right. There's just something that hypnotizes you where you have to buy them. And I'm beginning to think the Warlord stuff. It's what they pump into the air in the Warhammer (laughs) store when you go in. So you're like me and you walk out with like a, a box of Marauder Bombers. You're like. But I haven't built the Marauder Bombers that I got in my box set, so why'd I buy another box? I, I don't know what I... Yeah, so you, you just do crazy shit like that. Yep. That was Black Seas for me, too. Like, I don't know why I bought, like, 50 ships when I realized this is a game where you can play maybe four ships comfortably. And I have, like, <laughs> exactly. Trafalgar back here in my closet. But anyway, you go ahead. Yeah. But that's... No, I was, I was about to say that there's there's a lot of Warlord games that, that I feel are that way, which is good in some ways for, for how you play the game. But if you go into it with a standard army acquisition mind, you totally overbuy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you totally end up with more stuff than you need. Oh, yeah. And I totally did with Blood Red Skies, uh, which has been good because it's given me a pile of shame to paint for the last, you know, two years of COVID. <laughs> but the uh, but the thing is, yeah, I kept buying these box sets going, ooh, I'd love to have a squadron of those. I'd love to have those. And you're not going to play them all on the same table, much less the same time period. I mean, I've got like... Mark one Spitfires, but then I've got mosquitoes, but then, you know, yeah, so stuff isn't going to end up on the table. But by God, you've got them. I've got them. <laughs> Damn it, I've got seven of them plus an ace, or six of them plus an ace, so i got seven of them. Yeah, so it's it's funny. Beat up, you know, Richard for not being, excuse me, Ray for not being here, but, uh, you know, another another Warlord product that we play, another game, uh, we're big on the Pike and Shot era, the English Civil War. And, you know, Ray did this. Wake me up when you're done talking about Pike and Shot. <laughs> Ray disappeared and bought, like, the entire parliamentary, excuse me, the royalist army. And he's painted, like, one figure. But, you know, it's. That would be me. <laughs> Ray and I have a lot in well, common, except our yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, you know, it, it is that that urge that I must own them all. Does it, does it work oh, yeah. that way with Judge well, Dredd? It's just like we talked about, too. It's the horrible, I mean, I guess this is work. It's like the sex appeal of, like, the shiny packaging, the hype, all that stuff in there, the new, the colors. Like, it appeals to all of us. Like, oh, I have to have that. And Games Workshop has that nailed down. Like, how many Primaris lieutenants do I need? Apparently 112. But they just they really got it down with it. And I think it just really appealed to a lot of people too. Well, that's that's kind of the piece that I still am trying to figure out because it's so funny to think of something ACW as shiny and new because all I think of that is dusty and old. Wait, did I say sex appeal and ACW? <laughs> you did, you did. Wait, 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 wait. So you, apparently, dudes in wool and uh, and funny looking hats you're getting, make you. Wait a minute, old. no, hold on. You're getting a boner over a Hawker Hurricane, like a fabric and plywood <laughs> World War II airplane, and you're talking smack about somebody in wool in the Civil War. They meet. Yes, they're yes, real we close. Are. <laughs> See. You know, World War II airplanes are just slightly dusty old men kind of topics. <laughs> Civil War, definitely. But, you know, that's that's one of those funny things about gaming because I'm now seeing a lot of younger players, for whatever reason, whether it's because the Warlord said or not, getting into American Civil War. And it kind of cracks me up because I have run from playing American Civil War games for like 40 years. Uh, but that's all right. It's one of those things. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about Epic Napoleonic and where the heck it's going. Because I think one of the problems is we we know that Epic ACW has been a success, mm-hmm. but it's been a very simple success. Mm-hmm. They they haven't sold a lot of the Iron Brigade box sets. They haven't sold a ton of the the cavalry and infantry uh, leaders. You know, blister packs. Um, so how is this going to translate from a game with one sprue <laughs> for everybody to a game where at least grognards are going to start complaining about needing different sprues. Yep. Well, you know, I, I, I think back to uh, miniature magazine, you know, this is something that's just screaming that, that English market and particularly that they chose once again, 
to do Waterloo. I just saw their announcement about Prussians oh God, coming yes. down the line, you know? Yes. I'm so tired of Waterloo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I've done gobs and I mean I literally have thousands of Napoleonic fifteen millimeter and it's I've never painted any British. I've never even done the peninsula. I, you know, I've sticked to other campaigns that I thought were way more interesting. But then again, you know, when you've read 19 books on Waterloo, you look to go outside of that parameter a little bit. Uh, but, but, you know, th there's the thing, you know, Warlord is only ever made in 28 millimeter a smattering of things that were not French and British. And they sold a ton of Perry yes. stuff on their webpage <laughs> to make up for the lack of what they didn't produce. And I think they produced two boxes of Russians. They didn't produce any Austrians, you know, anything like that. Um, and they produced like land war Prussians, but nothing else until they did the rubber cavalry. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, so great. So the people that went down that row and now they're watching them produce everything they always wanted in 13.5 millimeter. I mean, are, are we going to go down that road where we get almost the army we want? And they go, you know what? I think we're going to do 9.7 millimeter, you know, and, and, and start over again. Well, there's an element of that. And then there's the part that kind of drives me crazy is every ounce of effort put into any one of these projects is studio time, studio effort that's not going into something else. And and we've said before that Warlord has too large of a portfolio, and that's being nice. And I think they've even said that themselves at times, that they just they have too many things to keep them all uh, on an even keel. So if you do something like Napoleonics that is going to be an investment in unique units and unique molds, um, are are we going to get a handful of plastic ones and then a lot of warlord resin and some metal, um, you know, mixed in or, and so then why wouldn't you just have gone and bought the 15 mil metal that's already out there? Right. You know, it, it, that's an excellent point because at least with the 28s, they could bring in Perry stuff and sell it, but there's right. Right. Or as I know, little or nowhere to go in 13.5 if they don't do it themselves. Or maybe we don't know about some Malaysian sweatshop that's currently making Russians. <laughs> Battlefront's not busy these days. They might have extra time on their hands. They probably do. Uh, should go visit their uh, facility next time we go to Malaysia. But yeah, there's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those interesting, um, I don't know what to call it, whether it's a priorities thing, uh, a capacity kind of thing, but you look at some of this and if you take like, like Blood Red Skies, for example, picking one 200 scale, guaranteed that when Warlord stopped making any boxes, supply was going to run out for airplanes. Um, because the problem is the only other one 200 scale airplanes were by Skytrex, who I realized Warlord has bought, that they look like they were sculpted with two left thumbs, actually probably four left thumbs. They literally were some of the worst sculpts on the market, yet you could go to GHQ in 1285th for some of the most beautiful aircraft and ships and vehicles and <laughs> and anything in metal uh, that's out there. So so sometimes to me, I, I get concerned when Warlord chooses a unique, unique scale because it means when their attention shifts, which it will, you're going to orphan that line. And I think we saw that with Blood Red Skies for almost two years. And why was that, Doug? Because, I mean, it, it struck uh. me as being something that was commercially viable. I mean, I think they sold everything they ever made. Um, yeah, so... Is it back to the follies? I well, it, it is in my mind. I think there is there's two problems with Blood Red Skies. Um, Blood Red Skies, while I do know Paul Sawyer plays it and likes it, uh, and I know that a number of other uh, people, I believe Steve Morgan in marketing, uh, also plays it and enjoys it and has painted up uh, several, several different Air Forces. Uh, I don't think it has the level of support from the top that other systems do and so the problem is when you have a good game system and there's other good ideas being put out uh, either by your ceo epic acw um, or things that he is interested in uh, then that's where the effort is going to be and and some of it's just being the cash cow i mean bolt action 
can get anything they want because they make the lion's share of the money for Warlord. Um, Blood of Red Skies is not in that category. But yet, I think if if you look at how quickly people spent a shit ton of money uh, once Blood of Red Skies stuff was available again and how they beat all of their sales expectations, how they had to go reprint and delay the actual rollout of the Midway set yeah. by almost a month because they didn't have this, the on-hand stock they needed of rule books and everything else. Uh, I think, to me, there's a point that I go, why the fuck didn't you guys just risk doing something in plastic? So so Bolt Action's their number one seller? I thought it was Judge Dredd and Doctor Who. <laughs> when Doctor Who becomes the number one seller, well, at least Casey will be happy. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I love to no. some Doctor Who, but I don't have the game. Well, you know? yeah, yeah. I think well, he it, said on a podcast recently it was 50% of sales was Bolt Action alone, and then 12 other game systems were the rest, or something like that. Something well, I, I will say um, Black Powder is still a huge chunk. So I think uh, from what my sources say, uh, obviously – Bolt Action, biggest chunk that's out there. Um, Epic ACW came out the gates raging and made a lot of money, um, but that it it kind of it kind of is Pike and Shot and uh, and uh, Hill Black Caesar. Powder, yeah. and then no, Not and even. then everything is almost all the same after that. Um, and Victory C made a big uh, splash, but I haven't I haven't had the the marketing discussion um, with anyone at Warlord. Uh, since Victory C really rolled out the rest of their line, because right. that was that was kind of the problem when when I was talking to people about it. Victory C had a very limited amount; they didn't have the full book, they didn't have a wide variety of fleets. They kind of had some starter sets. So, you know, I, I'd be interested to see where those all fall. Uh, also, knowing that you know one of the continual complaints people have, while it's also one of the best things Warlord has done, is their resin production. Um, it has been a nightmare. We've seen, you know, Victory at Sea models go awry. We've seen uh, Blood Red Skies models come out that look like they were set on by a rather hefty individual. Uh, but but it, at least they now have a resin manufacturing capability that's in-house that is, to a degree, you know, better than what they had. Um, but I, I just kind of wonder, and I go, man, it's an awful lot of money invested. Why didn't you just make, you know, a box of plastic Wildcats and plastic Zeros and people would have eaten that up. Yep. And then you'd already have the sprues and you'd put those in your, you know, in your Warlord uh, uh, Midway box set. But I don't know. Once again, it's it all seems easy from my area. But but when you talk Blood Red Skies, it goes back to the Stallard's Folly. Uh, we've got 172nd scale Blood Red Skies, Ooh, or as Big Red, big skies, red skies as we call it. <laughs> totally different <laughs> meaning. Have you had a chance to play it? Yeah, exactly. Have you have you played uh, the one seventy second scale yet? No. It's it's interesting. So uh, listeners to the podcast know my place of contempt in my heart for it. No, um, I do not like it with one seventy second scale World War Two because uh, it doesn't change the movement scale. Your model scale is different, but your movement scale is the same. That's weird. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank thank you. That is almost every experienced gamer's first answer. Uh, and some people play it and some people like it. Uh, I like playing it with Korea era jets because they already move a lot. Um, so you have big models. It doesn't feel that weird. Okay. Um, and you can do some cool things. And we've played some cool Korea era jet battles with it. But World War II just doesn't work for me because it's just when you're when you're moving about what your wingspan is, um, you don't feel like you're zooming across the board. Yeah. But anyway, so, so, so how do we get there? And you may not know the backstory of how 172nd scale... BRS started. Casey, do you know the backstory? I mean, you're you're an insider, man. You're always hanging out, buying drinks for all the Warlord guys. <laughs> I really don't. I have no idea. Jeez, am I the only guy that knows the answer? I, okay. It's something with Airfix, so, right? Well, yeah. So John Stollard, uh, being a, a kid like all of us, grew up with certain model companies that he was always building their models. And Airfix is one of those companies. He's always wanted to partner with and do something. Uh, and so to his credit, they inked a deal that allowed them to have a number of uh, Airfix model kits in this Blood Red Skies starter kit. Now, the funny thing is, as it was explained to me, that was somewhere between dream and crack pipe smoking, was that every Airfix model kit released was going to have Blood Red Skies cards and associated stuff in it. 
I have noticed that has not happened <laughs> because I've seen a lot of other World War II aircraft from Airfix and they don't have Blood Red Skies cards in them. Um, so it, I think it was pushed to the wargaming community as an alternative scale, a chance to do something different. Um, unfortunately, people started pitching it as, you know, a, a, you know, an entry drug, an entry level way into the hobby. Um, but it really wasn't because it pigeonholed you down a road that you didn't have any other airplanes available. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. Obviously, John Starr uh, inked a deal that that made them some money. But I find it funny that uh, the the box sets for 172nd scale are on 50% clearance yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, here's, on the website. And, and as much as I'm a painter and I will, I'm a fast painter, I can put out some stuff quickly. I've said over and over again, I'm not a model builder. I mean, I don't like some plastic 28 millimeter figures because a little that are a little too gluey for my taste. Uh, Victrix makes beautiful stuff, but I don't want separate water bottles and all of those kind of things, you know. And and the idea oh, of yeah. building yeah. a model airplane to play just that does not appeal to me nope. at all. Not at all to me. And, and you know, I. I don't even like some of the ones that I have to put together as it is, you know. I prefer to have something printed or, you know, single sprue that, that comes out. Um, Casey, what are your thoughts on Big Red Skies? It just, from the modeling aspect, yeah, sure, if you're going to do it. But I don't, 172nd was always scale model to me growing up. Like my dad and I like building those. And it's just, you know me, we've had this discussion too when talking about scales. Like it's too big for the table, for your average table for me. If you're going to get it, like, it seems like something you're going to buy, like, some 10-year-old kids to play. And I'm not trying to be mean about that, but, like, it's just, it's not a war game to me. You know, it's more of, like, a, uh, it's a gimmick type box set. Yes, and and that's kind of what I felt early on and still kind of feel today. Because I'll I'll be honest, I've really enjoyed playing Korea-era stuff with painted-up F9 Panthers, you know, having MiG-15s, having F-86 Sabres. That is cool, but the game it just it just feels weird, and so it it feels like for some reason it feels like you're playing with training wheels on, even though really not a whole lot. I mean, there are a few rules changes, um, but not many. Uh, so that will be an interesting one to see where it goes, and if it goes by the wayside, you will not see me crying on this podcast. Well, so, so will it go? Will it go the direction of cruel seas? And and, and let allow me to explain. Um, you know, Cruel Seas, when that came out, I, I test played that with Mr. Russell at Millennium Con when it very first came out. They didn't even have models yet. It was just printed and put and glued on like uh, foam core. But I thought the game mechanic was fine. And, and then when I got my little right, ships, right. I thought, oh, that, yeah, that, those are cool. And then the next thing I know on the Facebook groups, people are bringing in Every variety of 350th scale ship kit. Here, look, here's my Battleship Missouri. Here's my aircraft carrier. It's like, you realize this was a game meant for like PT boats, right? And and but here the, Lord, yeah. the ship's got bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. Here's my Bismarck for cruel seas. So is it a matter of time before somebody has like a flight of 72nd scale B-17s on the table for Big Red Skies? <laughs> don't, don't, don't tempt them because we've played with, with a single HE-111. And I'll tell you that feels really weird because of the scale. Casey, were you were you there at TLC when we played? I think that was two years ago mm-hmm. that we played I've with the HE one eleven. Yeah, one seventy second. Oh, okay. Well, so imagine, if you will, even though in in one seventy second scale big red skies, you do shoot from any point of the model, so you can shoot from your wingtip or whatever to to get rid of the scale rules. But think about it literally, where your wingspan is three shooting templates wide. Oh my God. That just messes up the scale. It just, yeah, makes your brain hurt. I mean, who cares? Even though you're shooting out the back end of the airplane or off the wingtip or whatever the closest point of the model is, it just makes your brain hurt at the scale. Um, And then, of course, if you did it with multiple ones, it it just feels weird because you are flying six inches apart, but you've got a nine inch or, you know, 10 inch wingspan. Yeah, so... Scale should mean something, and this is always one of the arguments I've had. Scale, choose it for a reason. Do you think we're going to see a a Corsair N Zero one seventy second box set? 
No, 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 bitches, go big or go home. Let's do, (laughs) let's do, let's do Gulf War in one thirty second scale. Oh god! Because I want to have an F fourteen launching missiles from like another room. No, but in the scale, you're right. They'll still be like just three inches apart on the tabletop because they won't adjust the scale for that. Well, but there's there's funny things about scale, and so you know, Casey uh, has has. We've talked about missile threat and talked about some of the things in missile threat, and it literally cracks me up how you have logarithmic range scales and how, you know, things that can be one inch apart are the same or are, are within a mile or so of each other. But when they're three inches apart, they're five miles apart, you know, things like that. I'm just like, this literally makes my head hurt. I can't have a game that is this difficult to figure out. These sound like measurements I told my wife before we started dating. Ah, yeah, exactly. Well, the, I thought that was objects in mirror or smaller than they appear. The, the shameless plug right now is, you know, over on our podcast, we just did a program with Sam Mustafa about um, complexity in games. And, you know, it, it yes, was interesting. I only got that, partway through that one before I had to actually go to work. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, got passed out, fell asleep. I didn't know. But no, Sam does a great job. No, no, that's Brad at Cast Dice. I, I, have, to, <laughs> I have to say that Cast Dice is the best insomnia because of Brad's voice. Uh, love him like a brother. <laughs> Bless his heart. Voice of an angel. Bless his heart. That's usually what you follow that with in the South if you're saying some crap about him. But no, I mean, but, you know. There is that thing about why, you know, without completely changing the topic of this podcast, but, you know, how do you make that that scale work? How do you make that scale work for the size models you but to just me, that randomly chose is, to use? Is, yeah, that literally is a warlord what the fuck, because it seems to me, and maybe this is a holdover from early GW days, that there's a belief that scale doesn't mean anything at Warlord. And I don't care whether it's looking at um, Gates of Antares, where you have weapons that should range across the board and kill people, and you don't, just like in Warhammer 40k, you don't, because we have to have this artificiality of your Primaris Marines can't shoot further than their boot, <laughs> or else they'll shoot someone across the table. But but then you get to games like Blood Red Skies, where they don't even follow the the laws of physics for turn radius so the scale of the model is irrelevant because it's like a one six thousand scale game the way the airplanes fly um so it's just it, it's one of those funny things that i i'll be honest i haven't played enough cruel seas or victory at sea but i'll say this about victory at sea any game that has opposing carrier battle groups on, on the, the same, same four table. by six map I, <laughs> Can I say anything about no, scale? No. You know, Ray and I have struggled with. We we both have a lovely collection of the GHQ, the twenty four hundred scale World War II ships, and of course you buy the carrier models because they're badass little models with little tiny airplanes Absolutely. on them. But even in twenty four hundred scale, airplanes. <laughs> even in twenty four hundred scale, short of a gymnasium, it's not a miniatures game. It it, it right. always devolves into a game of battleship. You know, like, you know, G-24, yeah, that's where my carrier is. And then, you know, this swarm of airplanes jumps on it, and they sink it or they don't. You know, and that just, I hate to say there's no way to do it, because maybe it'll take a bright guy like Sam Mustafa or somebody way smarter than me to figure it out. But I've struggled with trying to make that mechanic work for a long time. And when I first saw Victory at Sea come out, and I, I looked at some video plays I saw the same thing. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Both of the carriers are on the same table. And, and, and I just lost it there. Well, yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, people can bag on me and my old history as much as they want. But that's why I enjoyed Hex Encounter games. Because you don't feel like you have a scale other than the scale the game gives you. You, you don't have a model that, that gives you a mental image of being different. Because we've talked about it in Blood Red Skies with... Well, how big do you make the targets? Do you have John Russell's one 200 scale Hornet that is a beautiful target and dominates the other half of the board, <laughs> making it far easier to kill than a small little, you know, one 2400 scale ship that's sitting out there. Um, but visually, it looks beautiful, much more so than 
when you're sinking a small little cruiser that's barely an inch and a half long. But that comes back to the same issue you have with ground pounder games in scale where a stand of four figures represents 200 guys, but then people buy these beautiful MDF building kits to put the troops inside of you. You realize that that footprint, this is Detroit. Oh, thank you. So let's talk about literally my favorite new scenery kit that I think is also on sale, the Epic ACW Gettysburg scenery kit <laughs> that they didn't make. This is, this, is, this is another one of those WTF moments. If you want to sell a lot of scenery, you make something interchangeable, yeah. right? That would fit a lot of different battlefields. You would, you would make standard Virginia house yep. or, you know, standard Virginia farmhouse or maybe, Barn, you know, central, central Georgia city that needs to be burned to the ground, <laughs> you know, but you, you literally would make something interchangeable. Not two icons right. of the fight at Gettysburg, one of which, well, at least one of them is good because it was fought over a couple times and had different utility, but one of which was a charge into the guns where everybody died, pretty they much. They should make the cyclorama. <laughs> they should make the modern yeah. building well, with the painting all said, if, if they were smart, they should have just had a cyclorama set that had the whole thing that you could build all of Gettysburg and, with your And the Hardys? 4,000 The Hardys over there on the road where you can get a biscuit and gravy before the attack? I mean, that's the way the old battle, Gettysburg <laughs> battlefield used to be. Oh, I haven't been there in years, years, but that's all right. But yeah, so it's things like that to me are, are the standard warlord what the fucks where you sit there and you say, man, you had a chance to really, if you're going to change the scale, if you're going to do all these things, put out your own scenery and do something interchangeable, but not so much. But that's all right. All right. Well, we've been beating up warlord for for quite a while here. Um, and, and I have to tell all the listeners because I know most people know it. And I know especially John Russell as he's probably listening to this episode in his car fuming at us about what we don't understand. Uh, and Paul Sawyer, who if he's listening, thank you, Paul, for actually listening to one of our podcasts. But he's probably also figuring out how to totally cut me out of the loop of anything Warlord now. Um, <laughs> There's a cruise missile in or out already. Yeah, exactly. It is. <laughs> it's like, I hate those lead pursuit guys. They're a bunch of jerks. Uh, we, we say all these things not not being trying to be mean and poke at Warlord as if they're the worst company ever because they're not. But it's just funny, like any company will release things and you just look at it and go, that makes no sense. Well, I just don't understand. I, mean, I feel like it's a tough love thing. Like, you know, we're yeah, all it is a little bit of a tough love. Like, you're if right, you weren't right, getting, Casey. like, shit from your buddy, like, he didn't love well, you. Well, that's, that's yeah. exactly it, Casey. If we didn't care about these games, you'd just dismiss them and walk away. The bottom line is, exactly. I play these games. I play a lot of these games. I, you know, as far as, you know, ground pounding, I've got Hail Caesar. I've got... Pike and Shot. I've got Black Powder. I play Cruel Seas and Black Seas and Blood Red Skies. You know, same thing. I, I've I've paid for quite a few electricity bills at their factory. Um, but yeah, it just if you didn't care about them, they'd be much easier to dismiss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I can guarantee you, like, there's going to be some bar fights over if someone ever slams Blood Red Skies in our presence. I mean, you never know. We'll need that bill money, Warlord. <laughs> no, I, I I think I'm actually going to give up on Blood Red Skies, and I'm going to take up Check Your Six. Ooh. That joke never gets any funnier. <laughs> <laughs> no one believes it. <laughs> Rob, are you listening? Oh, Rob. <laughs> yeah, Rob, are you listening? No, no. Rob and I can meet at a at a neutral location. It's called Missile Threat. We can play a totally neutral <laughs> game, <laughs> and that way neither of us can be fans. His battle group is awesome uh, too, by the way. He runs a great battle group game. So. Well, and I'm I'm super jealous that you guys uh, were out there and, and had a good time uh, playing that because I laugh as soon as uh, Rob's like, hey, you got to come out to Millennium Con, sign up for the game. I'm like, dude, I am not coming out there. I'm sorry. I would like to, but it's just not going to fit the schedule. So. Well, you need to make it fit the oh, schedule here. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Casey knows I was doing much more important things back here. What was I doing again? I've totally forgotten. <laughs> it was way more important than whatever I'd do at a con. Uh, so I totally left uh, Casey alone and unafraid to be the blood red sky. But I'm guy. bringing tacos. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think you I'm gotta change now. Change the plan Bars for next raised. time. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Tom, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, I'll throw it back to you uh, towards the end here and say, is you know, is there anything else, Warlord, you feel like you have to pick on or anything to the community? Because uh, because we've kind of been nice and we haven't picked on the community as a whole. Um, for being fanboys, but there's times they're fanboys. There's times they're super grogs. 
uh, any last minute well, party you know, shots. It, it, I think, and it falls into the same category about what we're saying. If you didn't care about it, you'd just leave it alone. But for a company that you know is so revealed, so so so. So venomously attacked. Do you do you run a podcast? Are you are you used Bro, to? Doing I this? used to do radio for a living before I did this, but that's before the head injury. But um, I'm kidding. There was no head injury for people that have head injuries. I apologize. But um, for all the venom that's out there about these companies, they're wildly successful companies. It's it's that same way that every time I'd run into somebody a few years back, they they'd all say, you know. I don't watch Honey Boo Boo. Well, somebody the hell does because it's like the number one rated piece of trash on cable, right? You know, so all these people are just throwing dirt on on Warlord's grave, but it's like somebody's buying this crap, you know, and it's I know a lot of it's me. And from what I've just heard, it's you two guys. Oh, yeah. These people are so familiar with it. You know, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Be the change or whatever the fuck that saying is, just, you know, work with them. Well, I think there's a, a huge, there's an important point there. And at least I'll say in the Blood Red Skies community, it seems like there are very few people that have a chip on their shoulder, like I've seen in other gaming groups, that they're willing to complain about the cost of shipping or they're willing to complain about this model versus that model and the amount of you know time and effort put into it. Um, these companies do put a hell of a lot of effort into these products, into rolling these things out. So I think we have to absolutely um, give them credit for that while also at the same time not pulling any punches and, and kind of picking on them. Um, but but the, the t- you know our last podcast episode probably burned a lot of bridges uh, and that's fine if it did. Uh, my point is Knock that shit the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> stop being toxic. Stop stop making um stop making shit up. You know, just enjoy the game and be open to what people want to do with the game. As a customer, it's our right, you know, all joking aside, all the all the trash talking tonight. It's our job to keep these companies kind of accountable. I mean, you know, it they yes. still ultimately yes. require our money to be successful. And at the point that they can't produce a product that we, you know, can even connect with at any level, they won't be successful. They, they've yet to not do that. I mean, they're still, like we talked about, we we like their products. They We scratch our heads with a lot of the things they do. But if we didn't like the products, we this wouldn't be a show. This would have been, hey, have you ever yeah, seen that crappy yeah, company? Exactly. Yep, never mind. It's well said. Yeah, exactly. Warlord who? Never heard of them. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right with that. Casey, any... Final parting remarks from you. No, just really just echo kind of what we just said is, you know, here's because, you know, we do love it. I have, you know, looking at shells full of Warlord stuff, we're talking about it because, you know, we do love it. And I think, though, you do have the fans that are just so oblivious and they're like the, uh, God, what's the term I hate? Like the bootlickers. Like, you know, they're completely blind. And they <laughs> wow, I haven't heard that. Usually that term's <laughs> like applied to me by my conservative friends. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, usually it's applied to me in my day job. But it's like, you know, they're just like so blind where like any criticism they can't take it and I think that's the frustrating part where like your average fan like they're gonna give criticism but some of these fans are like completely blind and they 100% like no there's no faults there's nothing wrong where you know there is with everything so well there is and and that's to me that's one of the points of honesty about any one of these games is that we have to be we have to be willing to have an honest discussion about the company and what they release and what they do and whether it, it meets what we want or not and that's fine because if you know it's all what we want but we weren't the ones buying it, but they sold a shit ton of it. Then good on yep. them. You That's know? right. Yeah, exactly. It's the honey boo boo, you know, comment again. <laughs> if people are willing to buy 13 and a half millimeter armies, knock yourselves the fuck out. That's awesome. Keep printing that shit. Run that plastic off as fast as you can. I, I just don't you like know. fractions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You act like the game requires you to have this scale. No, it doesn't. Nope, nope. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. That, it, the, I, I think I want to leave everybody with kind of this as a thought that um, just like we've said, these these are your games. No one's coming to steal them if you modify the rules. If you take the miniatures and go play them with a different set of rules, that's fine. Um, but give credit where credit's due to the, the immense amount of effort that has gone into designing a lot of these miniatures, designing some of these rules that we never play, um, and, and packaging this all together. So be careful of biting the hand that feeds you. Um, but also um, inside the right forums, 
uh, help to, to keep the companies accountable to the things we really want to see. Because if I see any more 13.5 millimeter Napoleonics in the rest of the 12 days of Christmas, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. <laughs> but it's time for the Bush I've Dutch already Belgians. <laughs> Oh God! I'm just dreading what day four is going to be. Oh, because you know, wait, we we almost skipped it. How how could I have forgotten? We, before we sign off, we have to talk about day three. So day three was combined oh, arms. Yeah. Yet another game I did not ask for. I did not ask for a way to combine victory at sea, bolt action, and blood red skies with a coherent gaming theme. Did you, Casey? Is this your fault? No, but I do think this is something that's been in the works for a long time. Where oh, it's long, been in the works now, for a long time. No, 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 no. <laughs> hold on. You got to think. I go way back with Bolt Action, like 2014. I think this is where someone wanted something to combine. Once they started coming up with the other game systems, somehow your you know naval action will influence your Bolt right. Action game or right. something like that. I don't know. Like we don't know anything about it, so I'm going to remain. And that's the now, other but... frustrating part. This that announcing it on day three of the twelve days of Christmas, it's not like a sprue. Once you throw a sprue, the the photo of the three D renders out there, you pretty much have an idea what the fuck it's because about. Because the twenty one point <laughs> seven five miniatures aren't ready yet. <laughs> oh my god! Did that have to be another fraction? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. It's funny because it's this teaser and literally none of us know the first thing about it. So I'll make another pitch. Alessio, I know you're not listening to this podcast, but if you were, please send some information to the Lead Pursuit podcast so we know what the fuck Combined Arms is about. Because no one will tell us anything. <laughs> but that's all right. So hopefully we'll get some good news on that. And, you know, I, I think that it's going to be something worth trying and worth playing. Um, obviously the jury is still out on the replay value. Um, but like a lot of things for any one of these game systems, uh, anything that expands what you're doing beyond a one-off game and just picking a scenario and picking a force list and, you know, going toe to toe, it isn't a bad thing. You know, even if the mechanics, you know, may not be what you like, it gets you playing repeat. So if games, they throw black so seas in with black powder, epic scale Napoleonic, does it finally balance out that little tiny British army with that huge navy? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just want you to know the only Napoleonics I've ever played has been Hex Encounter, and I actually owned a bunch of the little tiny what I always forget what company that was all the plastic. Uh, Napoleonic no, figures Airfix. and never ever painted them. Yeah, yeah I guess they were yeah. old Airfix ones. Yeah, yeah, and never painted them. <laughs> but I had my little yellow Frenchman. Well, for, for every yellow plastic, for every fluffy lace that you've never played, I I cannot get my head around sci-fi games. Never been a sci-fi guy. <laughs> couldn't do Warhammer. Couldn't do 40k. Can't do you know you know Judge Dread. Uh, just no, doesn't work for me. Well, when, when you finally decide to leave that horrible state of Texas um, and you come over here to Alabama, I have plenty of... Uh, <laughs> exactly. I have plenty of Battletech, uh, Aeronautica Imperialis. Oh, did I say that out loud? Oops. Uh, and 40K and other games I can introduce you to. I have two... <laughs> I think I have a... Go ahead. I have an Antares rulebook somewhere, but I don't think I have any miniatures. I have two Battletech robots on my table that Ray bought me trying to get me to play Battletech. Of course, I've painted my robots and he miserably. hasn't painted his, and it's his goddamn game. <laughs> That's the way it always works. Uh, Ray, heal up. Get better. We, we need you back in the gaming crew. Uh, well, guys, it's been awesome. Thanks for your time tonight. Uh, I appreciate it, and I appreciate having a chance to, uh, to bitch and complain a little bit as we always need to. Uh, just to vent about other, uh, you know, other things going on in the gaming world. Uh, Tom, don't be a stranger. Absolutely. Please feel free to come back to the Leap Suit Podcast Likewise. anytime, especially when we want to make fun of uh, of Absolutely. Warlord. <laughs> Doug, Casey, same well, thing. Come over and hang out with us too. Yeah, That's we'll bad. we'll do that when you stop talking to Polyon. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I say that out loud. <laughs> Talk. Well, actually, you know, Casey does have a new love. So, so naval miniatures is his new grognard fix. Yes. So, uh, so if you want to talk naval miniatures, you can invite Casey right. on, and I'll just go look at my like three GHQ ships from the 1980s. That I would paint. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, Episode eighty, folks. We'll do. You hear it here first. We'll do. Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, sounds good, guys. And to all our listeners out there, uh, thanks for supporting us. Um, please go out and rate the podcast, like the podcast, leave us some comments on social media. Even if those comments are, boy, you guys got it all wrong. I love Epic ACW. It is the best system ever. And I, I, I play it every day. Um, please tell us that because we won't believe you and we'll make fun of you in public um, and beat you up and take your lunch money. But anyway, leave us a message on social media, go to the website, drop us a line there. Uh, and especially I want to say a thank you to everybody who ordered stuff from the Lead Pursuit store uh, like on Christmas Eve or in the week leading up to Christmas. Hopefully all your orders have shipped. Uh, but uh, we really appreciate it because that stuff directly funds Gathering of Eagles. It funds a lot of our events. Um, so thank you very much for making us your Blood Red Skies web store of choice. Yeah, speaking of croaking, uh, is Ray okay? I'm concerned. Oh, uh, he's he's suffering a little bit, to be brutally honest. He uh, He's the oldest of us to begin with, and then he, he like, fell on <laughs> his service revolver, which didn't help the oh, situation any. Yeah, I was about like, to you know, say. Like, with Barney Fife, I think you're supposed to shoot him at this point, but you know, it's, you know, yeah, well, it's Ray, make but. sure you give my regards to Methuselah and tell him to I heal will. up quickly. <laughs> I will indeed. <laughs>